Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and healer living on the unceded traditional territories of the Coast Salish people, otherwise known as Vancouver, Canada. We're going to be speaking with leaders and visionaries from around the world to talk more about what it means to be a voice for love. We're going through massive changes on the planet right now, and I believe that what the world needs more than ever are people who are aligned, heart-led, and who can speak from the soul to help usher in even bigger shifts that will elevate us all into a more harmonious and prosperous existence together. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to A Voice for Love. This is Surya, and I'm super excited to welcome my special guest, Siska Bears. Welcome, Siska. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Well, thank you for thank you for coming. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself with our wonderful listeners. Sure. So my name is Suska. I'm a world hip-hop violinist and hypnotherapist in the last um, three years now. And um, yeah, I love helping people get over mindset issues, childhood trauma, and many other great things that I found hypnotherapy to be very powerful for. Amazing. So tell us a little bit how you came to do hypnotherapy because I've had some really amazing experiences with with you as well. I've had a session from you and it was great, but um, yeah. yeah, let everybody know because it's something I'm sure a lot of people are interested in. Great question. Yeah. Um, so I was, I grew up in a very, um, like a war trauma household. So my family um, endured some trauma. And so kind of my whole life, I was, really struggling to find some peace. And I started therapy, just, I took myself to therapy at the age of 16. And um, it was talk therapy and it was okay. But then it quickly ended when I asked, um, well, the therapist asked if my mother would come in with me and that was a big no, that didn't happen. So um, yeah, I, uh, I kind of just, dealt with everything on my own. I just, you know, found a way to deal and, and make my way through life. I was a competitive ski racer at that time. And that was really my saving grace because I was able to be away a lot from my family of origin, which I needed to be at that time. So I really got, um, how do you say, into like overachieving. Like I really found I needed to just prove myself. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. And also it was you know, drilled into my head, like, you're going to win, like, don't come home unless you win. So I think a lot of my friends actually can relate who have like, you know, Eastern European parents and, and other nationalities as well, that sort of demand to be amazing and, and perfect and all that. So that nagging feeling of that I'm not enough was constantly there. And I did a lot of, you know, great things in my life, but it, it kind of came to the point where I was like, I'm just not feeling good on the inside. And it wasn't until seven years ago and I was in a relationship with a man who I thought was a good guy. He showed up as a good man. And then everything flipped like so quick after six months and he turned into a demon pretty much. 
And uh, I saw the shadow side and all that. And that just like threw me. I was, I was shocked. I'm like, what? How, how could I be here in this place? I've done so much work on myself and I'd gone to school. I'd gone to um, university for psychology. And I, you know, I studied a lot of this stuff and anyways, and so that, that when I came back, I got out of the relationship luckily and I got, came back, but, um, I think that was the point I was really searching and I prayed a lot about it. I've always prayed, but I prayed really deeply. Like, God, I just, I, I really need a mentor, a female mentor, an older woman, somebody that I can really look up to. And I was looking, I think it was on YouTube. I'm pretty sure. Um, I came across Marissa Peer and she's one of like the most phenomenal hypnotherapists. She's been doing it for like 30 years and she, um, everything she said just spoke to my heart. So I signed up with her and she's been my mentor ever since. And I took the course and I'm still, you know, learning and I'm loving it and helping others do the same. So that's, that's pretty much my journey in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I know that you have a lot of experience. You have the book experience because you study a lot. I know you study so much. I'm a very studious person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you have the, you know, the experience as well. So yeah, 40 years, 40 years. I mean, it's funny because I think, yeah, I just say, you know, 40 years of, of personal experience with, with actual narcissism. So, yeah. (laughs) So like, Okay, so narcissism is like feels like it's like a it's like an epidemic right now. Yeah. So can you like maybe let's just break it down too for people sure. just just a little bit because I think a lot of people are familiar with this word narcissism and narcissist more than ever, and yeah. I also think that there's a lot of people still who are understanding this and and need to understand this, and and sometimes you need to hear it from different people too. So I'd love for you to give your yeah. Absolutely. And it's such, yeah, it is, it is rampant. It is everywhere. And the thing is a lot of people think it's, you know, the people that are posting selfies, they're narcissistic and the to an extent, there's some of that, but it's more of something that's happened in someone's childhood. Like it always almost goes back to the roots of where and how they were treated. So it's, it's funny because it's either the child was raised as being over entitled or neglected and abandoned. Those are kind of the two main categories. And then there's the, out of that comes like the grandiose narcissist and the vulnerable narcissist, right? So the grandiose is going to be like, I'm going to make it, I'm the best. And they're overly confident without any real validation, say. And then you've got the vulnerable narcissist that thinks that like they're self-critical, their moods are unstable and, um, it's, it's, a, it's like an insecurity and you don't notice as much. So this kind of creeps up on you, the insecure. So those are sort of the two, like the vulnerable, there's those two main categories. And then there's so many layers in between. So, you, you know, you can't really diagnose someone as having it. That's up to the professionals to do. But we can see nar- like bits of narcissism in everybody and everybody has some. And there, I also feel like there's some healthy amounts to have too, right? To get things done and, you know, to to be able to do our craft and get on stages and do certain things. It becomes unhealthy when it's the spirit of control. 
So I like to speak of it on like a spiritual level because all of this is so technical, all these terms and words, right? Um, but the spirit of it is is control. And I think that's what we're all going through in the world right now, right? We've got everyone telling, you got to do this, you got to do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. And if you don't know yourself, who you are, which is what happens when you go through narcissistic abuse is you lose your sense of identity. That's a really common core problem that myself, I went through, and I know a lot of my clients suffered with as well. Yeah, I've also been through the same yeah. thing. And that kind of creeps right. up on you and you don't and you don't maybe notice it right away. Um, yeah. And in one of my situations, it actually got to the point where I had literally like, and I know that similar thing happened to you too, which is also very common. It's like almost stopped everything that I was doing. That was me that everyone would tell you, this is what, you know, this is what you do. This is what makes you who you are. All of a sudden it's like, I didn't do those things. I didn't like, I confused the heck out of some people. You know, I think I wrote my, my, my email list of like a list saying like, I'm not doing sessions anymore. And all these kinds of things, like, just like, wow. You know, I got a race. Like I literally, all my work, all my heart, hard work and connections and everything literally got deleted in one day from the narcissistically abusive relationship that I'm speaking of that I was in um, like seven years ago now. Uh, He love bombed me. He was like, you're the best. This is, oh, you're so talented, you know, this and that. The next thing you know, after he got me in his clutches, it was like, delete your Twitter, delete your, your, your email, delete your, your Facebook, delete everything was like, I was gone. Like I disappeared off of online everywhere for a year. And people were like, what happened to you? Like, where did you go? And it's the hardest thing to explain to somebody and to others that don't understand because first of all, you feel this shame and guilt for having for gone there, like going there and trusting this person. And they don't understand either the people that you're telling it to, unless they've been through it. So you can, there's a chance of you're getting more shaming and more guilt on top of that. So it's a fragile, a fragile topic as well, right? It's really important to share it when you're ready to, obviously, and you're healed and done the work. Like I feel, you know, I'm in a position now I'm ready to share my story but before it, it was very touch and go. You had to be really, you know, I have personally had to be very careful with myself and how I was feeling. And um, just want to say one of the common things, just for anybody in case they're wondering if they're in a narcissistic relationship, is you will hear or feel yourself saying, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. I've literally heard that from almost every single person I've talked to that's been through it or is married to somebody like that. That is how you feel. Everything you say is being monitored. You can't say the wrong thing. You can't do the, and little things, like just little things here and there. And those are, you know, what you call red flags, right? If you're trying to protect yourself. Yeah, absolutely. The walking mm-hmm. on eggshells is a big one. And all of a sudden it's like the, because it goes hand in hand with the people pleasing. And then also a really important one. And actually I just had a um, a visit with a, with a dear friend in the past few days who also found herself in a similar situation with um, the person she's been with for mm-hmm. um, a couple of years now, but same thing, a, a complete shift in behavior and uh, all of those types of things as well. And she said the same thing. He made me give up 
like her business basically that she was doing. She had a very successful, thriving business catering mostly to women. I guess he didn't like that for some reason or another. Right. It's control. When they have you in that place, you can't, you can't do anything without them. When you have no money, like I was, I was taken away to another country in my situation that I was talking about earlier. My passport was taken away. All my money was taken from me, like absolutely everything. And um, it's a horrible feeling. You literally feel powerless because that's what they do. They take your power away from you. And then they start to, you know, gaslight you, self-doubt, all of that kind of stuff. Right. So you really you don't even you really don't know, you know who you are, but you don't know how to assert who you are because you're afraid of what's going to happen to you because they start doing the fear and intimidation, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it can be really tricky. Like I've been with some, I, I've had some, uh, it's like, I almost say like, I, I always say like I have like a PhD in narcology because I've had like, experiences. <laughs> I know you have, we both have like all these different <laughs> ones, but I was with this one person who was a, like both a covert and an overt narcissist and the trickiness there, Ooh. it was very tricky. Ooh, it was like, that's a tough one. <laughs> it was, it was really tricky because the gaslighting, they're usually highly intelligent. They're usually, and it's yep. really sad because you can see that, um, usually they're in need of a lot of healing and actually want connection, mm-hmm. but it's like, they don't know how to connect other than to control or to um, uh, something. And it's really, it's really, but the other interesting thing is, which I know you can talk about as well. So what I learned throughout my journey, especially when I was at one point in like um, kind of group therapy with some of the people and, and, you know, I noticed that our therapists always knew exactly what was going to happen next. And I was like, how did they know this? Well, guess what? Now I, and I know you do too, we can tell people as soon as we identify that pattern of behavior, it's like, well, they're doing this next. They're going to do this. Then Like they're so predictable, right? This is what's, this is what I want. You know, hopefully your listeners, anyone that's in any of these situations understands it is textbook. Like once you start to see the signs, you will know what it is and you will know exactly you were right. You will know exactly what happens next. And there's, it's funny. There's a, a really great self um, aware narcissist who has some podcasts uh, or um, video podcasts and um, he speaks about it and he's going to therapy himself, but he literally says like, they know what they're doing. He knows what he's doing, but he can't change even though he's aware of it. He can't change. He's like, I will always be this way. I will always be a narcissist. I will always put myself first. I will always, and he'll say these things. And I'm like, oh my God, this is really scary. Like, even if they're self-aware and they know what they're doing, they can't help themselves. They just can't stop. So (laughs) So this is is where I'm like- You can't change them is my point. You can't change them. I don't know. This is what I I am interested in because Mm -hmm. I- you know, this is the traditional thing that is said, right? Is that they can't be changed. But I think it depends on the level 
because there's like full-blown sure. narcissists and yes. then there's people yes. with narcissistic traits. Yes. And like you said, we all have some narcissistic traits and that's part of the hard work that I've had to do in unraveling, you know, okay, how did I end up in relationship to all these people? What is it about me? And one of the things that I sort of, um, one of the big ahas for me is that in many ways, the narcissist and the, and the empath are, are the same or what draws them is they're both addicted to the drama. There's a drama yeah. there that both yeah people are feeding into and they're getting Absolutely. something out of it. So, you know, it's like that classic victim and abuser piece, but both of them is getting something out of it. The unhealed, the unhealed empath. The unhealed, yes, the unhealed empath. empath. The empath. The healed empath wants absolutely nothing to do with trauma. Like mm -hmm. I have to say, when you come to a point where you're like, I am so done with this, all I want is peace. Then peace will become what you will get in your life. That's literally what I prayed for the last two years. That was it. And the more I really focused on that, the easier it was to say, nope, don't like that. Nope, don't like that behavior. Nope, you can't come around. Like it just starts to feel really gross and icky to you, you know? But, you, but this is the part of the unwinding what you've been used to. So for example, like I said, for myself, if I was born into this kind of feeling it, the anxiety and all that lasts for so long. You don't know what it's like to live without that. So for me, I did like 10 years of yoga and I know you did as well, but I literally took, put myself in a yoga program to feel my body because you start, you can't feel anything. You start not being in, in touch with how you're actually feeling and where the things are in your body. So that was like step one for me. And then I started to realize what I'd actually been through from calming my entire nervous system down. So that's a lot, something a lot of therapists don't even talk about is how it affects our physiology and our mind and our brain and everything from the, from what we've been through. So that's huge. And breath work is massive as well. I mean, that kind of stuff is just, whew. <laughs> so healing. <laughs> so well, and, and it's necessary because it's absolutely true. It Tra trauma holds itself in the body. And it's so funny when I was just listening to you say that, I was like, yep, I swear this is why I got guided to do massage and body work, which is one of the yep. things I've done for so long. And it's because like you, I couldn't be in my body. I couldn't even touch people. It was so strange how I even ended up taking that training because I swear it's like, I couldn't even like touch people. I didn't want to hug people, but that forced me to really yep. get into my own body and then also to work on other people's bodies. So trauma does live in the body and also, you know, these things can take a lot of time to unwind. Like I like that you use that word because that's like exactly what it is. It's like, once you get to the point where you've been in cycles for years and for some people it's decades, like I'm sure you've seen this as well. Like I've had clients and, you know, coming to the conclusion after being married to somebody for over a decade or even like two decades, like all of a sudden realizing, oh my gosh, this person has been this all along. And I didn't even know because they were so caught up in that dynamic that they never saw anything different. And I think it's very patient patriarchal like I don't want to generalize because there's there, there's male and female narcissists but I do see a lot more of the women it, it seems like a very patriarchal thing that the women have just learned how to kind of you know um deflect I suppose to the to the male and to the patriarchy and so that's why it, it becomes more natural because it's like oh I'm just gonna like go along with this you know yeah, because yeah. yeah and in a lot of cultures it's a you know that when we talk about the entitlement men are entitled in a lot of cultures, they're put first, like the men. I mean, some countries, they kill the women, right? If you're born a female. So it's like the man is everything. 
And he's like, we're going to put all our energy in the family and everybody. It's all about the male. And then the woman just feels like, okay, what am I? Right. You're second. So, and that, that comes through in our, in our, in our culture and in society. And also a lot of it is societal conditioning. You see it in the movies, you see it in TV shows and you see it everywhere, hear it in songs. And that's a big one too. So yeah, I feel that, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an intergenerational, right? Intergenerational trauma is, is massive. So if, you know, my mother say was abused and her, probably her mother as well, or if my father or your father, then it, their parent was as well. Like it gets passed on. It's in our DNA. It's in our genetics. So I'd love for you to talk about how, um, because this is what's so fascinating about hypnotherapy is that mm. it works with the subconscious mind. And I just find this fascinating in general. I'm like, wow. And this is explains so much of why people's words and actions don't match up, why people's lives don't go the way that they want them to is because the subconscious is what's running the show. But we can't actually, most of us don't know how to readily access the subconscious. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about how like hypnotherapy works because it's so Absolutely. fascinating. Yeah. So it's like, it's as simple as like when you grow up and, you know, somebody telling you, you're not this, you're not that, or you're not good enough, or you're, you're bad at this, or you're, you're something negative. Right. And you just, your brain takes that on. You hear that over and over and over again. Hypnosis works by repetition. A lot of it is repetition. This is how people are getting hypnotized watching the news right now. They see the same message over and over again. So like, it must be true. Because our brain doesn't know the difference. It just takes in that information. And that gets stored into their sub our subconscious mind. So even if I say to myself, well, my mom told me I can't do this, but I know that I can and I'm going to do it anyways. So I'll go and do it and maybe I'll be good at it or where I'll do something. But in the back of my mind, in the subconscious will still be that message that was planted in there that I'm, I can't do this. That's where hypnotherapy comes into play because when we get into that relaxed state of mind in my sessions, we take about a couple hours, we go into that place and we access where those memories are stored that aren't you. It's not who you really are. Our authentic self, who we really are, we're born perfect in his image, right? We're here, this beautiful child, we're born just like the world is a state of wonder. Everything's brand new. And then life happens. <laughs> so hypnotherapy is really going into all the things that happened in our life and undoing it. So if you have PTSD, for example, or complex PTSD, so things, one, which is one thing like traumas that happen over and over and over again, and, and none of them get dealt with, then, it be, then you can really get into a state of like hyperactivity, anxiety, depression, all that kind of stuff. So all of that gets um, taken apart in layers and we go layer by layer by layer. And most of it actually, like most of it, it can be done in one session, like a two hour session. But oftentimes I've had five, to be honest. I think I've had, yeah, five um, RTT sessions myself and they're phenomenal, all of them helped. And I don't know if I needed them all, but I'm glad I had them all for sure. So, you know, it, if you have complex CPTSD, it's good to have more sessions to deal with each specific topic. Yeah. I hope yeah. I answered oh. your question. It goes pretty deep, but um, yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. No, it is. Well, it's just the, it's just really accessing the subconscious and no, absolutely. I think that's so important to tell people like with any kind of therapy, like whatever it is, whether it's energy healing or hypnotherapy or any kind of therapy, I think um, sometimes, and this is the unfortunate thing about spiritual marketing is that people give this idea that you can like heal your trauma in a weekend. Like it doesn't work that way. And we can both attest to this, you know, having done decades of personal work and like it's, it's layers. It's like you said, like there's, there's many layers that we have to peel off. And some of these layers are going to be feel more intense and dramatic. And some of them are going to be lighter, but ultimately like healing is this never ending journey. Right. And I think it's so important for us to give ourselves that grace and compassion. So we don't yeah. maybe get hard on ourselves along with, cause it's, in, it's intergenerational. Like you said, we're not even dealing with just our own yeah. stuff. We're dealing with, whoa, we're dealing with a lot of stuff. Generations like, ago. I think even like, um, seven generations back, I think, um, Yeah. Anyways, who knows how many generations back, right? But um, yeah, exactly. It's layers. And I mean, I've had great success in, you know, a lot of my clients are older, for example, 50s, 60s. And um, in one session, they feel amazing. And they're like, wow, this is great. And they're like, I can see now what happened to me as something just like didn't happen to me. They don't, they don't see it as personal. They can view it from the outside. So they, they step out of the pain and they're able to see it as something that happened to them, like watching a movie. And that's a beautiful thing to witness because you just see this freedom and this like weight lifted off their shoulders and all of a sudden they can breathe and they're like, oh, that's great. Cause they've been living with this pain or, or um, abuse for, you know, 50, 60 years. And what we're speaking on right now, like narcissism wasn't even a well-known thing until recently. So we're talking about something that's a lot of therapists themselves don't know, psychotherapists, like people that went and got their PhDs, actual PhDs in this, they don't even understand this. It's really something that you understand when you've experienced it, been in it, through it, survived it, healed it, and can keep going in a positive direction right and that um yeah that's um huge to to be aware of well it is huge and it's important to an extent that you know when you're working with somebody they have some sort of life experience and a lot of people do gravitate towards helping people in the same realms that they've navigated through because then they can like guide people there itself but but it is very interesting how narcissism has become so prevalent. Like, I can't tell you how many people I know that are, have dealt with or are dealing with, or, you know, it's just like this constant thing. And to, to me, what it always feels like, and what I find so fascinating about it is like, when you're with that narcissistic spirit, it's like everything is flipped inside out. It's like yeah. they flip and then, and then they make you feel like you're crazy. That's part of it too, right? They will make you feel like you're crazy by like accosting you and breaking down everything that you say or like challenging everything that you say or, you know, like projection is a big one too. Like let's talk about projection for a second because this is where a lot of people get lost with these individuals. So usually people that are narcissistic are very smart. They're very intelligent. They're very aware. They're very good at reading energy but it's like they will they will call you what they are so for example one of the people that I dealt with um they they kept projecting all this stuff onto me that I was manic and I was all of these things and then one day they said to me um you know what 
I figured out what's wrong with you. I'm like, oh, really? What is it? So like, you have borderline personality disorder. So I went and looked it up because at that time, I actually didn't know what it was. This was like uh, about maybe five, six years ago. Now I didn't know what it was. And then I looked it up and I was like, wait a second, that's you. Like that is literally everything that's saying here. Like, I don't really do any of these things. Like I'm a little emotional maybe, but like, (laughs) that's about it. Like I'm not doing all these other things. And and then I was like, oh, wow. And then that continued. So it's very interesting. And this is where... Like, I do want to give some hope because I hear a lot of people saying like, oh, they don't change and they never change. And I'm really interested in how can they change? Because I believe that everything can be healed somehow, but there there has to be the effort and the will. And and there are, I know there's people watching this because like you said, they know. So whether they admit it or not, I think there's a lot more people, especially now as people become more conscious and aware, there Mm -hmm. are many more people who have these narcissistic traits that can actually say, I'm a narcissist. And funny enough, actually, I worked with a few people recently and they were dealing with people that literally said to them, I am a narcissist. So they already knew this, which is, I guess it's good in a way, because then like maybe if they have that awareness, but I think, I mean, for me, I think the only, go on. No, no, keep going. No, I was going to say for me, sort of what it's come down to. And again, I I still want to test this. I think some kind of, it has to be something like God. It has to be something like faith. It's like, you know, in AA, when you have to yeah. hand over your power to something yeah. greater than yourself, that's what the narcissist has to do because Thank the narcissist Lord. has to take God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Right. The narcissist has to understand that they are actually not the center of reality that actually, you know, yes, we are all like living our own life, but there's a greater power than us. And that greater power can make everything make sense, can heal everything. And there's the surrender too. you have to surrender because if the narcissist is completely self-obsessed to truly accept God or higher, whatever it is you want to call it, it doesn't have to be like Christian necessarily. It could just be, just be some higher power. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, girl. I, I know exactly what you're saying. I'll tell you something really funny. As a child, as a child, I was like maybe nine years old. I literally told my mother, you need to believe in God. And she raised me believing in God, but she wasn't walking the walk and as a child I saw it and I knew I literally was like Christmas time I was like can we just focus on Jesus right now we all need to focus on Jesus I don't know where this came from but this is the Holy Spirit right talking through a child because as a child you're innocent and pure and I have to say after that not everything was you know super easy and it didn't exactly happen just overnight that you know things magically change. It took a long time, but somewhere that message was planted because my family literally was turned around later on. And like, now I have a really great relationship with both my parents and everyone can talk and communicate without fights. And a lot of it is obviously the work that I've done on myself, but also God, God became the center. And when God became the center it, it became a lot easier. Let's just put it that way. But I want to just distinguish two really important things because if anybody's in a narcissistic relationship and they're in danger, please do not feel or think that you can change the narcissist mm-hmm. in that moment. Please do everything you can to leave. Leave, protect yourself, be safe, seek professional help. Okay, then there's now what you just talked about before where you said, you know, can narcissists change? So if you yourself are a narcissist and you are aware of that, 
Yes, you can do the work yourself if you personally want to. It has to come from the narcissist themselves. They have to declare, okay, I have this problem. I keep doing this. I don't want to be like this anymore. Who can help me? And they've got to find somebody that can help them, that really knows inside out the ins and outs of what's going on and get that help. So those are, you know what I mean? Like that's really two important things to um, discuss because yeah, when you're in it and you're being, a, you know, literally abused, you're codependent and you're, you're, you're trauma bonded to a narcissist and you're an empath, that spells trouble. Your entire life can go spiral mm -hmm. downhill. And I don't want anyone to go through what I did. Like I literally lost everything. I was, was ground zero. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for taking me down to zero and building me back up into where I am now. But it, it was very, very hard for me to take, uh, you know. That, this is another theme, too, because I can echo the same thing. I also lost everything most several times. So, like, th these are all themes. This is, this is, because that is the theme. The narcissist is the taker. They will take and take and take and take until yep. either there's nothing left to take, in which case they, you know, um, you know, sometimes they just, that's it. They, that's when they depart. They completely devalue you and they're gone. Yep. And, or some, there are some that you will, you will have a very hard time getting rid of because they won't take no for an answer. There's, there's those two. There's yeah, those I've never been able to, um, yeah, I've never been able to actually fully get rid of them. Like I still have the person I'm speaking of still stalks me to this day. Like anytime I post a video or anything, they're there. Oh, because and I literally well, was very clear, like told them, you are not the one. I'm sorry, we can't be together. I never want to see you again. Thank you very much for our time. Goodbye. I've said it so many times and they're still there. So they will not. Yeah, some of them, they that's this is the thing. They will never give you closure. You will not get closure from a narcissist. The closure is up to you unless you want to stay with them and work it out and you can find some way of healing together or if you have to you know and there are great yeah, resources exactly. about like um yeah. for example like co-parenting with narcissists all these sure. types of things because this these kind of things happen for different sure. reasons we can't always get away from them but i really want to echo what you said as well and if you're in a you know an abusive relationship or you're you're in harm's way then please do whatever you need to do to um remove yourself and the good thing is is like a lot of a lot more places like I feel like a lot more professionals and crisis centers and helplines they yeah. understand this kind of stuff like they yes. deal with this all the time so there's there's usually you know resources and places to help or you know find yeah. a trusted friend and uh because YouTube they, there's a me there's a lot there's of really amazing people there's on YouTube that I found Dr. Romani she's yeah. a, a professional <laughs> and uh literally like PhD studies this stuff she gives um, incredibly valuable information um siblings siblings that are narcissistic they they can be a real source of pain in your life um triangulation is another thing that is a very common sign that you'll know if you're in that kind of relationship so in a love relationship i know you know what i'm talking about in a love relationship it'll show up as you know you're really into somebody and they've always got somebody else like there's always somebody there that's better but no, they really like you, but there might, there's always this other person that they somehow keep popping into the picture, or maybe even a few people could be even like social media or liking, you know, other people's pictures or some stuff like that, where it's like, you start to feel a self doubt. Like I thought you just said I was special and you really like me. Why are you giving this attention to somebody else? Like that kind of stuff. So that's how it shows up in love, love triangulation. Right. And then there's also, um, 
like within a, a family, for example, like triangulation between the family members. So it'll be two against one and that narcissist will always have another, that, like two people, like them and another person on their side against another one. And that keeps going around. And then, you know, one person, one time you're the, the golden child, next time you're the scapegoat and it kind of switches around and that can be extremely confused, confusing. And that's, that's their game is confusion. Yes. Confusion and talk about like spirits again, like too, like the spirit of confusion. So when you feel like when that confusing feeling, and this is what makes it hard for people to understand what's going on sometimes. And it's, it can be almost like a Jekyll and Hyde thing, right? Where you have yeah. one personality that's a very, very loving, compassionate, aware, even spiritual. Like we could talk about this. We've talked about this many times. Like, unfortunately, there's a lot of narcissists that are parading around in the spiritual arena and in the creative arena. So don't think that just because you meet somebody at a yoga retreat or like a spiritual gathering yeah. that this person is like truly you know a gift from god they might be a different kind of gift from god you know and this is their this is can be very problematic so these types of people are are everywhere and well, that's how cults are formed <laughs> but, but literally i mean there's every single cult we've ever heard of like i went in and really studied cults for a long time as well in my study in psychology and it's fascinating because it's like people will give everything up to this one person, this being that says, I know everything, follow me, I know the way, do it this way, do this. People give up their possessions, their life, they sell off everything, they move to different foreign countries. I mean, what was the one where they all went to drink Kool-Aid? Um, Koresh, I believe it was. I mean, they all went to the, that compound, they all drank like cyanide, some, you know, toxic Kool-Aid, and they all died. That happens mm. because people get caught up following somebody who's a self-proclaimed guru or expert or not even an expert. It's, it's a guru thing. They, they really need that admiration and they need everybody to love them and give and feed. They feed off of that. It's supply. You're giving them supply. So narcissists oh. always need supply. They need that energy. They need to be admired, loved constantly, constantly. And if they're not getting it, they'll find it somewhere else. They will find it somewhere else. And then they will probably start devaluing the person, the, the former supply. And you no know, cult leaders are a perfect example. I was thinking about right. that earlier. It's well, it's like a cult. This is, and this is what ends up happening. Once you get to the place where you have given up what you do or who you are or different aspects of yourself. And also there might be a feeling of constantly trying to please somebody as well. Like if you never quite feel at ease around somebody, like you always feel like, oh, like you have to do something or like do something for them. That's part of it. People too. pleasing. Yeah. People pleasing but this is why and so this is this is like let's just talk about this again because this is a really important piece too so empaths and you said this a minute ago too empaths always think I call it the empath death trap it's like my love will heal you okay so this is the problem there's a whole bunch of empathic loving people out there who are tolerating people that they probably like shouldn't be with or should not be with until that person is in a more healed state because and that's where the, the empath the unhealed empath has the ego too because they believe and this was my big thing like you know it's like I believe that somehow my love would be enough to heal or fix all of these people like but 
it, it won't work what they what they need and it's very sad it's very sad but then they will also play on the sympathy card too and they will make you feel sorry for them because it is actually sad because these people are somewhere in life they didn't get their needs met maybe over and over and over again and it's resulted in this really part of my language but like ass backwards way of trying to get their needs met which is taking from people pressing on people pushing their buttons like all of these things provoking reactions like that's why you'll feel agitated because they're actually trying to any attention is good attention for these people right so some of them get energy in really backwards ways right so you know all about this too so you on it yes yeah. it's, it's <laughs> that's it that's it very well said it's exactly like that yeah and what's funny is people you know as a people pleaser if you've ever been there, I've been there for sure. Um, you really feel like you're doing your best. You're like, but I'm doing everything I can. I'm, I'm really making it, I'm giving them what they asked for and they asked me to do this and I did that and they're still not happy. I'm like, if I just try harder, they'll love me. If I just do more, they'll love me. If I just do this, it never ends. <laughs> you're, you can throw yourself off the cliff and you still haven't pleased them, you know? Like, that's, it's, it's, it's never ending. And what we think, we think we're being nice when we're people pleasing. It isn't nice to anybody. And you know who it's most not nice to? Ourselves. And we can't be there for anybody else if we're not there for ourselves. And this is one of the biggest lessons and things that I learned really is that you really have to in that situation, put yourself first. You have to literally be so strong and solid on the inside that this kind of a person, that kind of an energy coming at you can ju will just bounce off. They ha it has no power over you. Because when you know who you are and you're very centered and aligned and know exactly what you have to offer, that again, that energy will repulse you that taking, 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 because we know that healthy is give and take. It's like, I give you this and, you know, you give me that eventually. And it's not right away, but it's like, you feel it's, it just, it moves. Like it, everything's in harmony. It flows. You're like, you know, it's, it, it feels good. But when you're with someone that's taking, 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 that's when you start to feel really bad and drained and your body, you'll notice your body will start to you, I mean, I had, um, what's it, chronic fatigue or mono uh, quite an, uh, like in my 30s, uh, quite late. And I was out for a year and I couldn't do anything. And it was the situation that, that I was living in. And um, it was great because it really pushed me into, you know, healing work for myself and learning all of that and kind of got me into on the track that I'm on today. But um yeah, it affects your whole body. And that's what you really have to be careful. Chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, there's lots of... Um, feel just feelings. Just you'll feel, feelings. you got to trust your body. Like if you feel nervous and agitated around somebody, if you feel like I've actually felt physically sick, another telltale sign is like after one of their sort of blowouts like after like they, they go through these cycles like sometimes it's like narcissistic rage or they have some kind of a tantrum or something like that you will feel afterwards um like the life has been sucked out of you that's what I used to feel with like and that's when I know that that spirit is present that spirit of narcissism when I'm literally like flat out and I'm like whoa like I feel like I got hit by a truck that's when I know that 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 sort of spirit has stepped in and it like it will like literally suck the life out of you so and but also on another just just the flip side though and this is not as an encouragement 
to encourage anyone to stay in a bad situation. But when it's all said and done, where these people become our great teachers is that they teach us and they force us to love ourselves because yeah. they push us to that extreme of, and, and we have to take some responsibility for that as well. Yes, this exactly. person was manipulative and cunning, but something about us allowed this to, you know, which is what I find fascinating because I can't tell you, like you and I are just one of many, you know, smart, talented, beautiful, successful, capable women. And, you know, of course, men too, who have all found themselves in these types of situations as adults going, how in the world did this happen? because I thought I knew better than this and yet here we are like and it's so many of us you know so many it's very humbling it's very humbling um yeah I recently spoke to like a therapist that just is my elder and been like therapist for 20 years and like married a narcissist after like three PhDs or (laughs) masters what have you like almost like um Wow. So it's not a textbook knowledge type of thing. It, it literally is an experience type of thing. And it's an awareness. It's just you have to be highly self-aware. And it's like you just said, really feel your body. And that's why doing body work is really important. Body work and breath work to see where you're holding things. And a really good test too is like, how do you feel in the pit of your stomach? Like we get nervous and stuff like that, but it's like, it's that feeling, like you just said, when you're around them, you don't feel at ease. You, you can never really relax because chances are by then you've already had enough, had enough experiences with them where they either, like you said, had narcissistic rage or flipped out on you for something you said or did. And it was so small, but yet you felt it and you noticed it. And you're like, ooh, that didn't feel good. I want to make sure I don't do that again. And mm-hmm. now you start to think, how, how do I make sure I don't do that again? Now you're walking on eggshells. And that's when you're like, that's, that's the time when it's, that's how you know. There's the, yeah, unhealed stuff. And like you said, we have to take responsibility for ourselves. Why are we there? Why are we attracting this person? Why are we saying this is okay? All of these things are why I just said it's like layers and... um it's yeah, that's why it's good to do, you know, not just like say a hypnotherapy session. I do hypnotherapy and coaching together because we do the hypnotherapy session and then it's nice to have coaching to get really get it all out and get on your merry way back up and out. Into you, the mean, world. You, you mean both. Again, it's not a one stop shop. It's like, especially if you've been dealing with this for a while, there's going to be many, many layers many layers that need to unwind, Um, you know, first the connection to that person potentially. And then you have to start going back and like literally like reclaiming all of those uh, pieces of yourself. So it's, uh, it's big work, but it's, and also the kicker is, this is what I was just going to say. And like, again, we're both examples of this is if you had a parent or a caregiver or somebody that was close to you growing up, that was a narcissist. There is one major clue why you're going to keep attracting these types of people. Cause this is very Freudian. This is very basic psychology. We are trying to work out things with the people's that we, the people we get in relationships with, we're trying to work out our stuff with our parents of origin. Okay. Sure. So if we are comfortable and accustomed to, and used to having a narcissistic parent or parents or whoever, like somebody sibling. close to us growing up, so a sibling, whoever, then 
we're going to unconsciously choose partners that also have this because we're trying to sort it out with them. So, you know, if you have any awareness that either one of your parents or like somebody very close to you growing up was a narcissist, then you're going to have to watch extra carefully. And, you know, maybe for some people, this will make them never be with one, you know, but for other people, it's going to make them more susceptible to choosing that type of a person. Yeah. In my experience, everybody I know, that's been in a, like, yeah, everyone that's had uh, like actual serious, like narcissistic parent or sibling, like, cause that's your first relationship in life is your parents and your siblings. Right. So that's literally where you're learning how to be in the world. And you're, that's how your brain is being trained. So you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're groomed for narcissistic relationships. You're groomed for it. And it's not your fault. It, you know, that's, that's where we have to get rid of the self-blame, self-doubt, all that kind of stuff. Because you're born, it's not your fault. But you have to understand what is healthy. And I'll tell, one, tell everybody one little secret about narcissists. Even though they come across as these people that are like super confident and they might own the room and they own the conversation and they're so like, da-da-da, here I am. They are actually the most insecure people on earth. Mm-hmm. And that's when you, when you learn that, you're like, oh, okay, I see. <laughs> and it's like a lot easier to smile. You're like, oh, it's not quite what I thought it was. And I didn't know that because for the longest time, I was like, they're so confident and they just, they know themselves so well. And you almost like admire them, right? But then that's what's creeping underneath is that insecurity. And that's why they need to control everything around them. Because if they control everything, then everything's going to be okay. Because... It's in the palm of their hand, but only which is God, why going back to the only God about, has control. Ultimately. Thank you. That's what I was just going to say, which is why then again, going back to the piece, if anything can ever heal a narcissist, it's got to be, it's God. It's got to be surrendering amen. control. Hey, man, can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Yeah. So the, yeah, control and, and, you know, what we can see, like you said too, playing out in the world so much is control. And that's always one of the things that I've understood on my spiritual journey as well. Like ever since I was, you know, I know you two, both of us have been on our spiritual paths for a long time, but even from way back, I remember understanding and knowing that that control is a big thing that as human beings, that is one of the things that we are, if we are to evolve, we must get beyond this, this control thing. Um, Cause we're, we're sovereign, you know, you hear a lot of this word, this word being tossed around a lot, but, but we are. And so a narcissist can actually help you find your sovereignty. So if you're like feeling like a mess and you're just like newly out of your, you know, and feeling like you've lost yourself, you can find yourself again. You will, and you will. And it takes time as both of us know it, it just, it takes time, but just, just celebrate every step of the way and just, you know, just, it'll, it'll be, it'll be fine, but it takes some time and that's okay. Absolutely. Too. And the nuggets that you get from going through that, this is the thing when you go, this is how I look at it. When you go through something so painful and so hurtful, like I felt as a child, I was like, man, I've had a broken heart since I was born. I literally felt that for the longest time, but it, 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 that's, you know, quite dramatic, but that's how it felt to me. But now I just feel like, oh my gosh, I want to give so much love to the world. Like on the flip side, now that I've worked through so much of it, I'm just, I've just have so much love inside and I just feel like I just want to share so much more. And every day I feel, every day that I feel healthier and better, I just want to share more and more. 
And so as dark as things used to be, I feel the lights coming in just as bright, if not brighter. And I'm just, you know, it's, it's, it's so like, it's just, it's, it's really exciting, actually, I have to say. And I, I honestly did not think I would ever be in this place. I just never thought it was possible. It was so dark and it was so gloomy and it was so sad that um, on the outside, people would have, no, would have had no idea what was going on. But then when I came out of it, it's just like, wow, the, 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 the dark cloud is lifted. And it's, it's just from doing the work though. I have to you know, stress that it's really important to, to dig in. You're not gonna be able to do all of this just from watching videos. And I've read every single self-help book you can imagine and books on narcissism. I have a library, like I literally have a library of it. Um, and it, it, the work didn't get actually done until I did go into the subconscious mind and had you know, these mentors and people that were able to unravel it with me. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you for saying that because it's true. You, reading and educating yourself is important and the inner work is really what's going to change anything. It's just like, um, it's just like changing the computer program. You know, totally. we, we have all of these programs that we inherited from our ancestors and then the things that we've learned and we just need to, to create new programs. So it's yeah. actually, it's actually really exciting and it can be, um, it can be, but I, I mean, I think about this all the time. I went through, I mean, I've been through lots in life in general, but there was a one particular period, I call it like seven years of hell. And it took, it's really taken like four, four or five years to recover from, from that really fully. And that was having, and I've thought about this so much, like having a lot of privilege inside of, you know, living in a country like Canada, where we have resources available, you know, me doing what I do and having access to healers and therapists and help, as well as having my own toolbox and awareness from my own journey, like being able to um, live with my mom for, for a while with my son, which meant that like, I did have some, like not as much pressure, like, so, I, and I've thought about this all the time. So still, even with that, it took so many years to heal from, from, from this like series of trauma and these types of people. So, and so it's really like, and I share that because it's like, again, I, I think some people give off this like thing of they're like, oh, I'm healed. And I did this and I'm healed. It's like, no, no, no. Like it happens in layers and it's, but you will go, like you said, you will go to deeper parts of depth in yourself because you've experienced that kind of darkness or shadow. You will learn. I, I saw this quote the other day. It said, um, it said rock, bo- rock bottom will teach you lessons that the mountain never will. And it's so true. Like, you know, like it's, it's so true. You know, there's something about these hard times and, you know, they say that like God tests the warriors, like God, like we have some of our learning definitely can come in the form of really difficult experiences. So if you're finding yourself in a difficult experience, you're, you're not alone and you will, you will find your way out. Just like, I always think about that too. Whenever I'm going through something, I'm like, other people have found their way out of this. Like I'm going to do it too, you know? Well, this is why I love what you do, really. Like, I think it's just so great having this podcast and being able to talk about this because, yeah, just having conversations like this, how often do we get to do this and have other people hear us, right? Like, all these conversations are usually private and we're talking to each other and, you know, therapists and everything, but we need to let people know what's happening. And honestly, I feel now we are coming out of it. Like, because narcissism is such a big deal right now and it's like, it's on everybody. We are in <laughs> the spirit of control is on the world right now from what's going on. 
without going too deep into that so we don't end up getting you blocked here or something. Um, <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about. Um, I know. So once we figure this out collectively, once we all heal this, oh my goodness, do you know how amazing the next phase of life is going to be in the world? Like I just see so much promise and opportunity and yeah, I see a lot of good things happening because we are going into this time right now. Right now is the chaos and out of the chaos, we're going to have the lotus flower blooms out of the mud, right? Yeah, it does. And you know, everybody, the dark. Oh, it does. That like, I, I wrote a post about this the other day, like that symbology is everywhere. Like you don't get to the gold until you go through the gunk. Like that's just, that's polish the diamond with the grain of sand. The, no. Yeah, polish it. And even what, where it's does the pearl. diamond come from? It's a, it's a lump of coal under pressure. It turns into a diamond. Like this yeah. symbology is everywhere. That is part of our, it's part of our journey. And I also want to say like, Every time we leave a narcissist or leave that situation or like cut it off, it not only benefits us, but that is actually what truly benefits them too. Because you know, the empath is always sticking around thinking that they can help or heal. No, what's going to potentially, hopefully, if anything may drive that person to actually do start to do the work on themselves that they need to do as well, it will be losing the person they love. It will be over and over again, seeing their own patterns of behavior, which is why I do think there's more narcissists waking up like this guy that you're talking about and I think it's becoming seen that that pattern of behavior and like maybe we can just see it for what it is which is it's also rooted in trauma and I would I would love to see some of these narcissists heal for the sake of like so many children that I know that have you know so many people I know are navigating these relationships with narcissistic co-parents and I see the narcissistic co-parent I see the good in them too and I'm like I can see all of them some of them have really great qualities like they might be a really great parent in some way but they're also a you know so like I pray for those people not to you know I don't want them to just like oh cut that narcissist off no I want them to heal so they can be a better parent to their child you know so like I want that I'm very interested in this I really want to see like narcissists starting to heal and to you know there has to be a way come on we can't and, let, and let's talk about that's fine for them but let's talk about the empaths needing to heal because we're looking at this you got to look at the it's the jungle so you've got the antelope running and running and running the weakest antelope is going to get attacked right? He's going to get chomped. And so they will go after the weakest one. So you can't be weak. You have to build yourself up. So it's good to be empathic and, you know, what people think nice, but nice isn't being nice. Nice doesn't help anybody. Kindness is different. Nice is, is something else, right? So it's that, again, empowering yourself in the way that you let people know Yes, I'm a kind, I'm a good person, but do not take advantage of me. You have to come in with that kind of energy. So that's what I mean about healing that, the empath, healing that, that person that is the codependent or would be the one that would get involved with somebody like that. So again, you're not giving them any, they, they have nothing to work with. Yes. Thank you for saying that. And that's very, that's very true. And that's like very simple. I always like to try to break down and I'm not the best with scientific things, but like, even when you're talking, I'm like, that's like science. That's like the magnets. Things are drawn to one another because of frequency. So that's why it's the, it is the empath's um, duty in some sense to rid themselves of the victim consciousness. Like that's why everyone has to look at their role in every situation. And that doesn't mean that we blame ourselves, victim blaming, like I'm not that that's very different, but you know, 
there's always, there's always a, a piece of personal responsibility that can come into play. And that's just empowering. And like you said, cause we all know people like this and like a true, you know, we were talking about like cult leaders, but I don't know if you've ever been around someone who's like a real true spiritual master or someone who, and just the way that they carry themselves, you just know, nobody's going to mess with them. They don't have to be mean or anything. They're just like, they're in there. They're just holding this space that nobody can, nobody will even come at them with certain things. So that's, yeah. and that's part of what we're learning. We're learning how to heal ourselves and then change our energy. And this is just like a really, um, I'm just feeling guided to share this right now, but this is something really powerful you can do if you think that you're around a narcissist. And again, this is science. Like we have an energy field, right? We have an energy body. If you feel like you're around somebody who's a narcissist and is pulling your energy, literally imagine that your field gets bigger. Like literally imagine it, like just in your yeah, mind, feel it get bigger. And when, yeah. you, when you feel it get bigger, they can't get as close to you anymore. That's part of it. Cause you've literally just like pushed them out with your energy. And that's what you kind of have to do. So again, this goes back to how these people can actually be a gift because they'll teach you how to take up space because these people, it's like a vampiric type of thing. The ones yeah. that are really good, they are looking for, they know the people that they can take from. And a lot of these people, that's what they're just master takers, master vampires everywhere they go. They're just like, take, 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 take. So, and we will run into these people, whether we like it or not, they're just out there. Right. So it's important to learn how to hold your, hold your own and not, not, not give into that as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, that's, that's a good one. I'm, I'm for me also, one thing's like I had suffered panic attacks when I was a child and it would just come over. It would just, things would just get too much. It'd be just like, ah, like literally would just lose it. Hyperventilating. And, and I didn't even know where to turn back then. There was no really help with this kind of stuff. So breathing was a mm-hmm. huge one. So when I got into yoga and learning the breath work and everything, and there's a really great breath work, if you ever feel like you're in the presence of, like you just said, a narcissist and you're over anxious and you need to calm the, vet, the vagus nerve. So you can do like a four, two, eight breathing where you inhale for four counts and you hold for two and then you exhale for eight. And then you do that a few times and you really calm your entire nervous system down. And again, it brings you back to that centeredness, that grounding, so that you're not reacting to what's happening around you, right? I'm doing it, so I'm doing it right now. <laughs> we really, yeah, it was a great, I do it all the time. It's a really great one to just get out of that because we tend to want to react. Like somebody does something, we're like, we react right back again because especially if you're an artist and you have that kind of energy and you're, you know, you're used to co-creating, we pick up stuff so easily and past pick up people's energy. That's what you do, right? You feel people around you and it's, and it's uh, challenging to, to really stay centered. So sometimes just that simple exercise really just gets you back to who you really are you know, and just that calm. Oh, thank you for saying that. Thank you for sharing that, first of all, because it's so powerful. And I work with a lot of, I don't, I haven't worked with that one, but I love that. I just did it. And I, mm-hmm. and I do someone a similar, but it's just the breathing is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, okay, it's so funny. My mind is totally blanking out. What else mm-hmm. did you say? <laughs> no, just like, yeah, just calming down and getting back to your center. Like, oh, just, reactive, reactive. Sorry, that was so funny. Okay, you just nailed it that this is what becoming conscious is, okay? It's actually not this like, whoa, I'm in 5D thing. It's actually stopping being reactive. Thank you so much for saying this because I've literally, like I literally had this vision once and I was shown like the difference between 
you know, more conscious beings and not is that unconscious beings are, it's like an insect. Okay. Think about it. An insect has a very short lifespan. It has a very specific set of things it does. That's all it kind of does. And then it dies. The more evolved that we become, we have more awareness of everything. And we, when we stop reacting, so many of the things that happen in this world happen because of reactions and we react because of trauma. So this is why it becomes a personal responsibility almost as I see it to start our own self-healing, to engage in that healing, no matter how long it takes or it's going to take your whole life anyway, you might as well just do it. But that's why we have to stop because when we stop reacting, that is what's going to stop. Like, think about this is why wars start this is why people fight this is people get killed because of this somebody has an unconscious reaction and they end up murdering somebody like this is what it is right and and also like when you go through something is like it's um the rumination right so when you when you go through like what we were just speaking about some of these experiences in 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 a relationship narcissistic relationship um we ruminate about it after, even if we're out, we keep, why did that happen? And da, 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 and we try to figure it out in our mind. And it's to the point where it literally can drive you crazy. So there's another great little tip I picked up from another um, therapist that was just speaking at a conference. And um, when you catch yourself doing that, you just say, stop. Mm. Like, you know, even if you just have, you know, you have a bad day and you're having bad thoughts, whatever, just say, catch yourself doing it. Just say, stop. And it's, it's a brain interrupter and you literally become aware in that moment of what, where you're going, what pattern your mind is in. And it's just a very simple little trick, right? And you can use any word, stop, halt, something that, you know, really works. And um, you stop your own mind and that's, that's self-control. So self-control, self-discipline, those are key things as well in all of this because we need to control our own mind. That's the only thing actually out of all of this that we have control over is our own reaction and how someone else is going to make us feel. So you can sit there and yell at me all day, Lisa, and I'll be like, okay. And I can choose how I'm going to react to that. Like, I'm not going to take that on. My mentor says, you know what she says? She's like, I just don't, I just don't take it on. I don't let it affect me. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And when she first said that, I was like, how did she do that? Obviously, I learned how ever since, but that's it. Like, you just don't let it affect you. You don't have to engage. You're like, you know what? This isn't for me. I'm going to go now. Yeah, and that's, that's really what spiritual mastery is. And it's funny because I know a lot of my empathic techniques, my, my empathic tendencies are tied to being like a healer and a helper and all those kinds of things. But as I progress in my life and on my path, I realize actually the most spiritual thing I can do is put myself first, love myself first, fill my own cup. And then therefore, then, then I truly have energy to serve the collective and, you know, my son and whatever, whatever, you know, just whatever I'm meant to show up in my life to serve. Cause that's what I'm asking every day. I'm like, God, let me serve. Cause that's what I feel like, you know, we're all here to do and learn of course as well, but it's, it's really interesting. So that's why a lot of spiritual people, we will find ourselves in these, Nailed I it. mean, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just classic. And, yeah. uh, but yeah, thank you so much. Wow. What a potent, <laughs> yeah. Lots of, so much to talk about. I, just I know we could, we could do like a 10 hour podcast on this. I feel like once you get going, there's so much to unravel and and if I can just, are we almost done here? Like, I just want to throw in one last thing. Yes, just really perfect. watch your thoughts, mm-hmm. watch your thoughts. And that's one of the big things in hypnosis too. And in hypnotherapy is, is a lot of it is what words are we saying to ourselves? Those are, those are really important. What are the, what is the tape that's playing in your own mind? 
and that's a lot of the work that that um yeah i've been doing in the last few years and that's really transformed my life like incredibly so really just rewrite your you know rewrite your your mind tape that's playing and turn it into positive thoughts and you really do become what you think yeah and again this this can take time and even what you were saying with the stop thing you might have to stop 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 50,000 times in a day yeah, like let's be real let's let's be realistic about that and that's where i see some of the things that like we both do but especially that's where the hypnosis can really help cuz what what i see like what i feel like the hypnosis is it's like a deep dive like a dig into yeah. the subconscious so you can do it yourself you can but like this is why working with people working with people different therapists and finding the things that work for you is key because a good therapist and a good modality should be able to yank some of that out in a bigger in a bigger go you know what I mean they'll yeah. help you to really get in there because especially yeah. the subconscious it's it's very tricky and the way that our mind and our ego are designed we will we will keep circling ourselves and trip ourselves up in our own mind so that's why you need somebody else to you know yeah. whether it's a mentor or a healer that you work with or a therapist like whatever there's the great thing is there's lots of different paths but like this is where I find that hypnotherapy can be super this is where it's super powerful because you can literally help people like get in there and really like get to the root yeah. of it it's what it is I right? love it it's like inner surgery it's like yeah like you just that was great like well said you dig in and you take out the, it's like taking out the cancer taking out the cancerous thoughts you just dig in and chuck it out so it's different than just self-affirmations is something completely different you can affirm all of you want all day you, to a certain extent, but you have to dig, you have to take out the cancer first. This is kind of, the, this is funny. I'm just going to just like download about it. You could do the affirmations, but it might take you 10 years to change your mind. If you did the affirmations and yeah. you, you worked with a healer or a hypnotherapist or something like that, you could probably clear that in like a few years instead. It's yeah. kind of, it's kind of like that. Cause actually I do know somebody who, who created incredible things in their life through visualization and affirmation, but I think it took them decades. That was just what flashed in my yeah. mind when, because they didn't have access at the time to um, any, like it was just a different time period a different country like had no access and no knowledge of that time of those, those types of things you know yeah and visualization is huge I mean it's super powerful I mean I learned this in in when I was a downhill ski racer we used to have to I had a sports psychologist at the time and it was amazing because you had to picture the the course like the run the, the place that you were doing your 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 run like it's called you know going down the mountain and the gates and everything you picture it and then you visualize yourself going through it. And the more times you visualize yourself going through it, the better you get at it. You become more and more confident, right? So when you actually do it, you, you can master it. So visualization is huge. If you can see yourself doing something, then it's just a matter of time be before it becomes a reality. But this is, again, why I say watch your thoughts. Because <laughs> whatever you think about what happens like that. And this is also why you got to be careful about what you consume, what you listen to, what you watch, kind of all that stuff, right? Going back to um, how we've been societally conditioned and oh, hypnotized. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. When Before we started this, I was thinking in my head, I was like, this is going to be the first of many conversations about narcissism. Maybe not oh, yeah. with you too, because there's like... There's so, there's just- Part two. Yeah, part two, part, well, this is why, again, YouTube is a great resource. There's no shortage of, you know, information. Yeah, I've, I've Dr. Romani, I like as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of people talking about this. Um, but you also want to get the right ones, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, I really stick to, there's a few, um, there's another gentleman named Jerry Wise, 
and he lived it, been experienced it again, an elder and he's gone through it. And yeah. What about RC Blakes? He sort of talks about RC Blakes is amazing. I'm on a spiritual level. Um, he's how he speaks really well on like female brokenness and, and the broken consciousness, which is a whole nother topic which we should definitely get into another time because that, that explains a lot of why, you know, women are so sexualized and um, women tend to resort to just, okay, I'm just going to look cute today. Then that's it. I'm no one's going to respect me. So I'm just going to post a hot selfie, you know, that kind of thing where um, they start to just use their body in the physical to get what their needs met, but it's coming from a broken consciousness. Oh, that's but a they whole end up not getting what they want because they attract people that just, you know, so it's a vicious cycle. So again, that's where I just really want people to build themselves up from the inside. Now, good to be proud of yourself and your body. Nothing wrong with that, but in a healthy way. In a healthy way. And always, I've always said that I'm like, it's such an irony that our society, and of course, don't get me wrong. Like I love beauty. I love clothes. I love you fashion. Oh my God, fashion. But of course, like, of course you do. But it's good. Like, you we do. put so much emphasis on the outer world when actually what's really important as a human it's it's all in the inner and I feel like now more than ever we have to like fight so hard just to like love ourselves in this world and social media has made it worse in so many ways it's just like it's just it's just ridiculous sometimes I mean we grew up with what cosmopolitan and glamour everything you can't get away from it if you don't buy the magazines they're in this like at the front of the store you're going to see these images of these women that are not anything like we're so that they're not real they are, yeah. but then they've been, you know, um, altered and whatever, whatever you call it, um, touched photoshopped up and stuff. And yeah. everybody, even the most beautiful women out there, are photoshopped. So it's like this impossible oh, of standard of. Like, it is impossible, and I like to play around with stuff, and like I like to play around with like filters and fun and stuff like that. But just because it's like it's fun, and also I'm like, well, this is also what the you know what the world likes. Like I don't go to extreme or anything like that, but it is an interesting thing. And I've actually found a lot more like recently. I've been taking more breaks off of social media and just like not oh. going on there because. Yeah. It can just be, um, it can be really poisonous. And for, for everybody, I can see how it affects other oh, people yeah. too. And people get in this loop. Like it's literally, again, you know, there's lots well, of- Well, it's training your brain. Yeah, it people actually have to be really careful. I catch myself. Um, I don't, I used to be, well, not ever really that much, but um, on Facebook, if I ever have a bad day or, and I'm on there for too long, I just start to feel worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. So I catch myself. I'm like, oh no, honey, you're not going there. I do the, I do the whole thing. Like, stop. And I'm out going outside and I go switch it up and I go into real life and I make sure. And yeah, taking social media breaks is super important. Super it is. And you can actually see really clearly sometimes how oh. certain leaders and people on social media are actually very narcissistic. That can be a very interesting place to study narcissism because you can see... And I mean, this drives me nuts about the spiritual industry is that there's lots of coaches and healers and people that are like, to me, an very expert. clearly, yeah, I'm like an expert. everyone's are, or they're clearly like imbalanced or narcissistic and you can actually see where they're, you know, because narcissists do, they can attract big followings. They often find themselves oh, yeah. in high positions of power. And again, it comes down to this control thing, right? A lot of them have mastered controlling their environment, controlling situations, controlling people, like all these types of things. They'll have it all. Oh my gosh. It's- you want to know a fun fact? Narcissists are some of the happiest people. Oh yeah, right? Because they're like oblivious. They're, they're the ones doing the harm and going, oh, this is great. Look, wow. Right. And they're successful. They make a lot of money. Some of them, like, they're not the down and outs. They're not the ones that are feeling everything and like, oh, how can I make myself better? They don't think that thought. They just don't think that. 
Yeah, it's really, which is why, again, you have to, especially as a caring person, if you're an empathic caring person who's giving everything, you actually really need to be with somebody who can return that kind of love and care to you, not like somebody that's kind of like a bottomless pit because the really intense narcissist, that's what they become like. They're like a bottomless pit and you end up putting all of your energy and your life, probably losing parts of yourself in the process. And that's it. And then you, you, and then you end up getting cut off from them for some reason, either. And you'll never, yeah, you'll never be able to fill it, that pot. Yeah. Keep pouring into it. It's like I said, that never ending, like, I'm doing everything I can to please you. Why do you still not like me? But I've done this and I've done that. And I changed my hair color and I got, I lost weight. And then I did this and I did that. And then they're still like, but you, but you, you look bad in that color. (laughs) Like there's going to be something right that that the, the narcissist is going to say. Well, but that's it's that like, all goes back to the piece about them not having being insecure, right? Because somebody who's truly secure with themselves will feel totally confident complimenting you or telling you that you you know and supporting you. But somebody who is insecure, so they have an agenda usually, and it's to devalue you in order to make themselves feel bigger. So that's and then that goes down, 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 and so that's yeah, why over time. That's why over time it's like you feel like squashed, you know? So that's why it's important to, and hopefully everyone who's listening today um, has learned something new or, you know, again, if you're in, if you, if you find, if you find your, if you feel like you're in a relationship with, you know, and again, there's different levels, right? So it might be somebody with some narcissistic traits and those could be, you know, and I have heard some stories about people that say that they, um, one person who was it? Somebody, so a friend of mine said they had an aunt and uncle married for a long time. And basically the uncle was a narcissist. They were married for 20 years. Um, they almost broke up because of the, you know, at the height, the heart of it all was his narcissism. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess the wife said, I will take you back on one condition. And that is that we both go to therapy every week for the rest of our lives. And he what? agreed and they did it and they're much better now apparently they you know there, there was there were good things still to you know the, the relationship Beautiful. was worth salvaging and they you know they did their way and then there was another lady um uh i was getting some emails from her for a while and she it sounds like she and her husband as well he he was also a narcissist and they also found ways and she had some really she it was really interesting like she just said basically like it was really interesting but they seemed to work through it too as well but he also had some awareness of it so was willing to you know navigate that with her well yeah there's another famous gentleman that if anyone's interested in looking up sam vag vagkin oh gosh barkin i don't remember his last name it's with a v uh very well known he uh, he coined the word actually let me find a find a sam vargkin i believe and he is again self-professed um oh where is that is that his name vaknin so v-a-k-n-i-n and um he studies this he's got his uh again uh doctorate i believe in it and so he is a narcissist and he's married to uh, a woman and they've been together and she knows that he is but she also grew up with a narcissistic father mm-hmm. so you know she's used to it and I guess somehow they found a way to to live with it you just have to know what you're what you're going what your life is going to be like that's the thing if you choose to stay in that kind of a relationship you have to be aware of what it's going to be like 
And again, I just, I also just don't think, and this is what I'm super excited about. I just don't think, I think up until now, the popular opinion has really been that a narcissist doesn't change. And I just don't want to accept that because, you know, we know this and this is biblical, you know, they say with, with God, with man, things are impossible, but all things are possible with God. And because there is a spiritual element, there's trauma. I mean, this is like way deeper than we could get into in in one, in one conversation here, but there's, there's so many different layers, but again, it's going to take the addressing of all of those layers in order to make because the narcissist is not a whole complete person. They are incomplete. And because they feel incomplete and they don't feel whole, they have a variety of survival tactics that they've learned throughout their lives in order to function in the world. And it's very sad for them because you watch some of them and you watch them constantly lose everything too, right? Lose everything. They lose every relationship. They lose every, every, they manage to F up everything they do, their job or career or whatever it is because of their own tendencies. So they, they do know, and yet they can't often, you know, stop themselves. So this comes down to, again, not the reaction. We have to understand if our dominant reaction, like for me, I'm the opposite. So as an empath helper person, my dominant reaction is always to help people. If somebody asks me for my help, but this is what part of what destroyed my life was me literally dropping everything that I was doing to go run off and be of service to somebody who was in a crisis, right? So for me now, when somebody asks me for something, I literally have to stop myself and go like, okay, am I actually meant to help right now or not? Because my, you know, ego wants me to say, yes, I'm going to go help or I'm going to go save the day or whatever. But the heart always maybe is like, no, actually, you're supposed to be focusing on what you're doing right now. Or you're supposed to be taking care of, you know, X, Y, Z thing for yourself or whatever it is, your child, whatever, you know. So these habits take time. That's the point, right? Again, once again, they're, they're not, we don't easily always change our habits. Habits take time to make and they take time to break. And through Christ, we are, we become whole, right? So. Amen. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. And I and I want to encourage yeah. anyone, whether you're Christian or not, that really working with the energy with Jesus with Jesus will help you to shift things in a miraculous way in in your life. I, I absolutely agree that. And that's what Jesus was doing in the Bible. He's, he was selfless. I mean, he walked around and he, yeah, he wanted. But he was delivering people, right? This is the thing. Jesus had a deliverance ministry. Yeah. He was delivering people. And so this is the thing. I I actually there's one famous um prophet I, for, I forget whose name is he's, he's this um I want to say his name is Todd White maybe he's an American guy he's got dreadlocks but uh his story is very interesting he was really troubled person you know I think he was a drug addict smoked crack sold drugs like I think he had a wife and his and a kid but like was never around just not not a good guy long story short I think he got locked up or was in some kind of a halfway facility and he had a run-in with some homeless man that was some kind of an angel who said to him like um you've had a demon in you your whole life and I'm gonna deliver you basically like you're free from it now and he completely changed and now he he the first thing he did was go to his they weren't married it was his girlfriend and he said like I've changed I've had a change of heart like will you marry me and he's become a devoted father husband you know but it was God that did God God I was just gonna say God can change a man's heart so God and in, in that case I'm not even sure that he was looking for it to be honest which shows you that some people have a destiny to yeah again even the will is there if you again if anyone is listening to this that like thinks they're a 
narcissist or is kind of like, you know, exploring that side of themselves. Like I honestly believe there, there has to be healing from that. It can't just be, again, there's levels and you have to know the levels. You might be with somebody who's mildly narcissistic, narcissistic or has some traits. Those, yeah. those are going to be a little bit more easily shifted as long as they're willing. And, you know, you've got some, you know, the tools are there somebody, but some narcissists, I will say, absolutely. Like the one that you are with and some of the ones that I've known too are absolutely red flag, like get away from them. They will ruin yeah. your life. Not only your life, they will ruin everybody else's life around you as well. It's unbelievable watching them in action. They will find a way to, oh, they, yeah. will, they will ruin. Yeah. I didn't take a, per- I like took one look. I'm like, oh, this isn't about me. Like <laughs> it didn't take long for me to realize that it was not about me. It's like, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. There's like, they leave a carnage behind them. A wreck, yeah. like everything is just a wreck. In it's there. like a, it's like a tornado. It's <laughs> like you just watch them like make a tornado everywhere they go. Oh my gosh! Okay, we could talk about this forever. But okay, Suska, please tell everyone where can they find you if they want to know more about you and your work. I'm on social media. I'm on. Um, well, my website's the best place, so it's Suska Maris. My name S U Z K A Maris dot com, and from there I have my links. I have. Um, Instagram. I'm just kind of starting on there again and uh, the Facebook page. So you can find that all from the website. That's the best place to go. For all. Awesome. And I'm just going to use this moment to also plug that you just wrote a couple children's books as well. Oh, yeah, I did. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I've worked with kids for a long time. And so that was one of my dreams to get a, yeah, to get that going. And so during COVID lockdown, I wrote my first book called Mary Golden Rosie. And then a second one called Light the Cat. And they're going to be more. And they're just, yeah, all pretty much like self-help books, but for kids in, in just a very fun, sweet way. So. Oh, they're, they're great. And I know because I was literally like cleaning up my son's books this morning and I found both of your books and I was like, oh, they're so cute. Light the Cat. He liked yeah. that one. He wanted me to read it over and over and over again. So. <laughs> I love hearing that. That's so sweet. Yeah, well, and that's, it's beautiful too, because this often, you know, with these narcissists, something, they didn't make a connection at some point in their childhood, right? So things like books. That's my inner child work. I did a lot of that. So, and I I am like, I'm really in touch with that. And I think that that's really helped me a lot. So I encourage anyone as well to really get in touch with your inner child and what brings you joy and and do that. Just even if it seems silly, just do it anyway. Just do it. Do it. Oh, I love it. Well, Suska, thank you so much thank for, you. for coming. And yeah, yeah many blessings. Okay, thank you, you too, to all your listeners. Blessings. Yes. Blessings. You've been listening to A Voice for Love. This is Surya Devi. You can find me at suryadeviworld.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so you can use it to be a force for good in your life and in the world. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to speak up for what you believe in. Peace.